When Brett and Whitney Baker moved into the home where they wanted to start their family, they noticed their neighbors were a little eccentric. Like, I came home one day and it was raining and there were girls um, topless hula hooping. Topless hula hooping, not really Whitney and Brett's scene. Still, this tiny apartment with no kitchen was exactly where they wanted to be. This is The Longest Shortest Time from WNYC. I'm Hillary Frank. I think for most of us, where you live becomes a big deal when you have a kid. You start asking yourself questions you may have never asked before, like, is my neighborhood safe? Will I be lonely? Am I surrounded by supportive people? Do I care if there are topless hula hoopers outside my window? Today on the show, we talk to a couple who chose to become parents in one of the least likely places. Stay with us. Whitney Baker wrote to me a few weeks ago. She saw that my producer Joanna and I were going to be coming to the Bay Area to do a couple of live shows. We'll be airing one of those shows, my interview with 99% Invisible host Roman Mars, on our next episode. Anyway, Whitney lives in the Bay Area, and when she wrote in with her story, she also invited us to come meet her, which, after reading her pitch, was an obvious yes. After we landed in San Francisco, Joanna and I dropped off our stuff where we were staying and headed to Whitney's home. It's dinner. Goes in your mouth. Goes in your mouth. Not on the floor, on your, in your mouth. That's Brett, Whitney's husband, feeding beans to their 14-month-old son, Jay. Their dining room sounds crowded because it's actually a dining hall, and their home... So we live in a sorority house. A sorority house. With 65 sorority girls. Whitney's not in the sorority. She's almost 30. We'll get to her role here in a minute. But first, I want you to picture the scene that we walked into. The dining hall is flooded with sunlight and full of round cafeteria-style tables. Girls lean into the tables giggling, eating Indian food prepared by their house chef. At the table closest to the door is a family. The mom, stylish with blonde hair to her elbows could pass for one of the students. Her husband is the only man in the building. Between them is a chattering baby, eating bite-sized bits of strawberries and carrots directly off the tabletop. He's got silky, sun-bleached hair, bright blue eyes. As the girls come and go, they stop to flirt with what some of them call their house baby. Hey, Jay. Hi, buddy. You're so cute. Jay is probably the most flirtatious baby I've ever seen. Every time you so much as glance at him, he holds your gaze and coos at you. It's as if he can't imagine a single person not wanting to shower attention on him. And it's no wonder. That is pretty much his existence. He'll walk into a room and everyone will be like, Oh my God, Jay! I love him. He's so great. If I could, like, take him, I, like, definitely would. (laughs) I should say, none of the girls in this sorority are the topless hula hoopers. They were from a co-op next door, and it was short-lived. Because I think they realized, like, topless hula hooping is the worst idea. It's so uncomfortable. This sorority, whose name in school I won't mention because Whitney asked me not to, is known for being studious. Lots of them are pre-med and pre-law. They don't have parties or alcohol in the house. Whitney says that other than mealtime, the house is pretty quiet. After dinner, we are the loudest ones in the building, talking in the hallway while the girls hit the books. So where do you live? So we live just up 
the stairs back here. Whitney. So give us the tour. So yeah, so here's our family room. Whitney and Brett moved into the sorority three and a half years ago, a couple years before Jay was born. They sleep in a dorm room, just like all the girls. But they also get a private bathroom and a living room. Whitney leads us past the couch, the pack and play. Jay sleeps in it here in the living room. Then she rounds the corner and opens a closet door. This is our kitchen. Inside is a mini fridge and a microwave and shelves jam-packed with their weekend food. Mostly cereal. There's an almost empty jar of peanut butter, mini juice boxes. Oh, I did not think I was going to open that. That's embarrassing. It's like all of our junk shoved in there. This is what we're here to see. (laughs) (laughs) If you're wondering why a couple might think of a sorority as their dream home, the answer is simple. Brett and Whitney live here rent-free. Plus, all their weekday meals are covered. In exchange, Whitney works as a sorority's facility manager. She checks the girls in and out of their rooms. She calls the right person when the water tank breaks. She scoops food out of the kitchen sink with her finger when girls complain that it's clogged. She makes sure the house is stocked with supplies. I mean, there's like 400 light bulbs here, so I make sure we have... I go to ACE a lot. Whitney herself was never in a sorority. She went to a religious college where they didn't have the Greek system. She'd always thought of sororities as a place where you pay to have friends, not very warm or homey. But one of Whitney's pals had this gig before her, and she and Brett kept hounding this woman to let them know when she was leaving so they could take over. They were living in one of the most expensive areas in the country, and they were ready to start a family. They saw the sorority as a way to save money for their future child— a year and a half into the job, Whitney stopped by a chapter meeting. Those meetings include girls who don't live in the house, so Whitney had an audience of 110. I was like 20 weeks pregnant, starting to show, and so I just like rang a little bell. Like there's a little bell in the front, so I like rang the bell, and I was like, "Oh, I just wanted to let everyone know that I'm pregnant. I'm having a baby boy," and it just like erupted in cheers and everybody clapping. Um, and like, congrats, like, woo, <laughs> like very what you would imagine, like a r- huge room full of girls. Um, and then like, I thought they'd be like, oh, yay, you're pregnant. That's been so great. Like, good luck. Good luck in the future. But they kept being like, oh, we can't wait till the baby is born. It's going to be so fun to have a baby. And so I was like, oh, it would be kind of fun to have a baby here. And so I was like, this this could be interesting. Maybe we'll just do it for the first like semester of his life. Jay's lived at the sorority for three semesters now. Brett and Whitney's deal is pretty sweet. Aside from the free room and board, they're surrounded by a cadre of eager babysitters. But raising a baby in a sorority poses some unique challenges. When I wanted to make him baby food, I couldn't. I had nowhere to make him baby food. So I was like, when the chef left at 8 o'clock at night, I went in there, like, late at night and, like, used the huge industrial pot to, like, cook one sweet potato <laughs> and a huge industrial fork to try and, like, mash it down. And then there's just a community freezer. Or, like, when I was, like, freezing my his breast milk, it's like, that's, if you're a college girl, it's gross that there's someone's breast milk in your freezer. And so I'd have to, like, I'd put it in, like, three different bags and and just, like, mark it with, like, Whitney's food, don't eat, or something, and just hope no one looked in there. Whitney's mostly gotten used to her sorority lifestyle, but sometimes she forgets that it's not everyone's experience when she's out making mom friends. 
today at the park, I was telling this mom that she should get this popcorn bowl that you can just put it in the microwave and it pops your popcorn. And then I was like, oh, but it's really messy if you don't have a dishwasher. And she's like, oh, I don't have a dishwasher. And I was like, and so I, for some reason I was explaining how it's like really hard in our little bathroom. And so I started washing it in the bathtub. And then I was like, oh, I'm telling someone how I'm washing my dishes in the bathtub. Like that's like. You tell them that we use the toilet as our disposal. No, no, that's disgusting. <laughs> well, it's like we have a bathroom sink and a toilet. That's it. So. The food, if you wash it, the if you wash the bowls in the bathroom sink, the food, even if it's just crumbs, gets like stuck in the gets stuck in the sink. Then we get like the flies coming because it like it's you know a bathroom sink's not built to like have any food go down it. So we learned the trick to put it all down the toilet, <laughs> which sounds gross, but it's what we have to do to like keep the flies from hanging around our apartment. On top of being on call 24-7 for Jay, Whitney is on call 24-7 for 65 girls. The day she came home from the hospital after giving birth, the girls were freaking out because of some strange noise coming from a utility closet. And Brett couldn't just go take care of it because he's not allowed to be in any of the hallways by himself. And then there's the communal living stuff. After a sleepless night, coming downstairs to breakfast to a room full of chipper college girls can be a challenge. More on that after a break. Don't go away. Mamas, we hope you had a very happy Mother's Day. And we're dying to know what special and fun and weird things your kids did for you. We're collecting your answers in our new app. Here's how to send yours in. Go to the iTunes store, download the Longest Shortest Time app, click Talk, and record your answer. Tell us all the dirty details of how you spent Mother's Day. And if you like the app, rate it. That'll make it easier for other people to find it. Thanks. We're back. Whitney and Brett brought Jay home to the sorority three days after he was born. This is the only home he's ever known. So for him, being able to hold his head up meant 65 girls asking to hold him. Getting a first tooth meant 65 girls ooing and aahing. His first steps meant 65 girls giving him a standing ovation. I don't know what babies dream, but this sounds to me like every baby's wildest dream come true. Yeah, so um, they kept asking, oh, is he, about, is he about one? And I would be like, oh, no, it's next Thursday. And they would say, oh, what are we going to do for his birthday? What, what, what's the plan? And I was like, oh, uh, like I, Brett and I were going to take him to a park and like give him a tissue box or something. like, Or like ha- feed him a cupcake for the first time. Like oh we can't wait to see it and I was like oh I guess we'll we'll do it here I didn't know anyone would be so interested and so I made birthday cake for 110 girls and um, we put up a bunch of little basketball garlands and funny little signs of like him as a baby holding a basketball and then just after dinner I brought the cakes out and was like oh maybe we can sing happy birthday real quick and they all stood up and they all started singing and videotaping and everyone like crowded around him and then I gave him his cake and everybody cheered like it was some huge event <laughs> it was really sweet he was just like so happy to see everyone and to like he was only in his diaper and I think he was really happy about that you would think that in a house of 65 young women there'd be some ambivalence about having a baby live in your house I figured at least someone would say 
you know, I'm not really a baby person. But no matter who we asked, the girls all said they loved having Jay around, even the ones who share a wall with him. They say Whitney makes motherhood look easy. The truth is, it's kind of by design. Whitney knows these are unusual circumstances, and she curates the experience for them. I don't want to interfere on their college experience by being this, like, frazzled woman that's like, my one-year-old has only eaten three kidney beans today. Like, (laughs) I have, like, my mom friends to help me through that. And I'm not, like, trying to put on some illusion, like, oh, motherhood's so easy. Here's my baby. (laughs) They didn't see him, like, at eight months when he still wasn't sleep trained and he was waking up six times a night. And sometimes some of them I would tell. What was it like when he was um, not sleeping? through the night yeah so I would wake up panicked because like you're so mad that it's 3 a.m. and they've woken up so many times and then I'm afraid for the girls I share a wall with because the last thing you want when you're taking a midterm is a baby crying and like we're essentially living in their house and so I just it just like stressed me out and sometimes I was I would tell Brian like I'm living in prison I can't be loud I have to be on good behavior I mean not like I have to be on good behavior but you know what I'm saying like I have I guess anybody that lives in close quarters probably has that feeling where you just have to be or you can't be loud <laughs> so that was tricky Jay walks up to me in his PJs and hands me his sippy cup of milk I pretend to take a sip he gives me puppy dog eyes and shoves it closer to my lips. I know, I'm not going to really drink it. <laughs> Silly. Whitney giggles, but she's clearly still thinking about why the girls might think she makes motherhood look easy. I think a lot of it is just, a lot of it is just like due, due to how much we wanted to be parents. And then like, I also, I had a sister who passed away when her daughter was Four, and I saw her robbed of being a mom and I saw how much she wanted that and so just whenever I think I don't know I just like I feel so I feel really lucky that I get to be alive and healthy to do this you know what I'm saying like I feel like that really changed my view of motherhood because that's all she wanted she wanted the bad days she wanted the good ones and like I get that and so it's like I think that is also Maybe why I feel really happy to be a mom. And there's another reason. When Whitney first moved into the sorority, she was pregnant with a different baby. She miscarried at 18 weeks. Whitney was teaching kindergarten at the time, and she felt like she had to be maternal in her day job at school and then maternal in her night job at the sorority. She secretly grieved the miscarriage, surrounded by needy five-year-olds and college girls. And then, and then we couldn't have a baby for like two years and had to do a lot of infertility treatments, um, which we were lucky enough to do because we lived rent-free. Otherwise, I don't know how much long, how long it would have taken. So we felt a lot. I think that's like maybe where our like gratitude towards the sorority and like trying to be really respectful of the girls comes from is because we really wanted this baby and we feel like the situation made it possible. How long do you imagine being here? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because it's like, I didn't imagine him being this big here. And so, well, when we signed up, we're like, okay, one semester, and now we're going on four years. And so I've kind of said, like, at the four-year mark, um, I think we might be done. But we'll see, because that's what I keep saying. If I, I really want another baby. So if I had another baby, then we'd for sure be done. 
But I can't, but I always say we'd for sure be done and we're still here. So I think uh, we're saying December. December is going to be our cutoff. He'll get to a point where it's like not appropriate for him to be living in a sorority house, I feel like. But and also he hasn't started throwing tantrums yet. I've seen very small glimpses of it. And I think he'll have that phase and I'll be like, "Get us out of this house." Because as soon as he's being loud downstairs, I scoop him up and run upstairs. Because it's just like the last thing you want when your kid is like arching their back is for people to be watching. Do you think you'll miss it when you do move? There, Yes, I'll miss aspects of it for sure. I think I, I'll be really ready to like be on my own. Like with that feeling you got when you went to college and all of a sudden you had no restrictions. I think I'll feel... From leaving college. Yeah, from leaving college for my four years. <laughs> I'll have that feeling again. We'll check back in with Whitney later this year to see if they've decided to leave the sorority for real. For now, we want to hear from you. When have you made a strange decision that had an unexpected benefit? Go to longestshortesttime.com and leave your comment on this episode. That's episode 57. We've got a picture there of baby Jay and his family with all of the sorority girls and the video of Jay on his first birthday soaking up the attention of all the girls singing to him. It's pretty amazing to watch. This podcast is a production of The Longest Shortest Time and WNYC. The show is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Joanna Solitaroff with help from Lily Sullivan. Bill Moss mixed the show. Our theme music is by the Batteries Duo. Special thanks to Paula Schumann, Peter Clowney, and Erica Kramer. I'll be back with a new episode in two weeks at 3 o'clock in the morning. That next one is my live interview with Roman Mars. He answers questions from my five-year-old. I can't wait to play that for you. If you are going to be sleeping at 3 o'clock in the morning, you can hear it at 9 p.m. Just subscribe to our newsletter. Go to our website, enter your email in the little box on the homepage, and I'll send you a secret link six hours earlier than the show gets posted. And here at The Longest Shortest Time, many of our favorite stories come from you, our listeners. If you want to be like Whitney from today's episode, write to us. We take stories about any struggle in parenthood. It can be about you and your kids, you and your parents. We love to be surprised, so send us something that we've never heard before. Go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story.